podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Friday on a weekend in which the FA Cup final takes place, Manchester is the centre of football for England and we are not involved at all. So, you know, those aren't great things. Um, there's not a whole lot going on today. There was some suggestion last night from some people who get information that the Alexis McAllister to Liverpool deal is done and that the medical should take place next week and he should be unveiled quite soon. That is great news. Obviously, Alexis brings a lot of what's needed to this team. His ball retention is outstanding. He's very good off the ball. He's great at linking play. And he's great at helping to break down stubborn defences by making clever decisions and playing clever passes. He's a good dribbler. He's not the biggest, the quickest, or anything like that. If you look at his assist numbers, they're not, mind-blowing. He got two assists in the Premier League last season. But he created well into double figures of goals by playing the pass before the pass, by being the one who made the move to unlock a defence. And I do think that's something we have lacked. Thiago can do it, but we play him much deeper when he plays. And therefore, he's not able to influence the game in the final third. And regardless of what dinosaur journalists may seem, Thiago should not have more assists because that's not what he's asked to do. Alexis will not have tons of assists because he doesn't often play that final ball. He's the one who plays the pass before the pass. And a pre-assist is often more important than the actual assist itself. So getting Alexis in is the first piece of the puzzle. And he fits into pretty much any shape you would want him to play in. If you want to play a 4-4-2... He can play off the left, as he did in the World Cup. You want to play the box midfield? Well, he works in a number of ways in that. He can play as one of the advanced eights. Or, if you play a defensive midfielder next to him, he can play as one of the pivots. That be that would be the same regardless of whether it's a three- or a four-man defense. If it's a box midfield, Alexis can play in the double pivot as long as it's next to a ball winner or an energetic player, someone like Emmanuel Kone, for example. In a 4-2-3-1, he could play either in the double pivot or as the 10. In a diamond, he could play as the 10. He could also play as one of the 8s. In a 4-3-3, he can play as an 8. So you're getting a player that allows you a lot of tactical flexibility and one of the things that's notable with the players being linked, especially 
Kone and Turam is that they're tactically flexible players and they should give us the ability in-game to switch the shape without having to change the players, which is always beneficial and leads oppositions to have to spend more time worrying about a potential change that might come up when you might not necessarily plan to use that change within the game, but they have to be spending time preparing for it on the off chance that you move to a different shape, a different set, a different build-up pattern. So my hope is that we get this one done soon, that it's followed with the two other midfielders that have been strongly linked, that we then add the centre-back that's badly needed, the left-footed centre-back. And then... Once that's done, we can focus on some sales and then we'll see where we shake out because potentially the sales will just add additional budget and there'll be more signings made because it's not just those four that we need. This squad needs nine, maybe ten players in total because there's a lot of players in the squad that simply aren't up to scratch anymore. There's other players in the squad that are good enough, but the time has come for them to move on. I'm thinking specifically there about Queeving Kelleher. He just needs to go and play. Kelleher will be 25 later this year. He's played 21 senior games. And that's just not good enough. He needs to go and play regularly. He deserves to go and play regularly. So whether it's a loan, whether it's a permanent move, I think a permanent move is probably more appealing to him because he can go with certainty and he can establish himself somewhere. I look at the newly promoted teams. I think he's a better goalkeeper than any of the three have. And Luton don't actually own the goalkeeper who helped them come up. Ethan Horvat was on loan from Forest, So maybe they're in the market for a keeper. He's definitely better than Wes Fodderingham. Definitely. So he could be a really good get for Sheffield United. Now, they might take the approach of once bitten, twice shy after giving us over £20 for Rian Brewster. They might not want to give us another big bag of money for another player. He's definitely a better goalkeeper than what Burnley have. But they might not be looking to invest in a keeper this summer. You look up and down the league. Brentford are going to lose Raya, but they've just signed a new goalkeeper. I think everybody agrees he'd be a really good fit at Brighton. If Aston Villa were to lose Emmy Martinez, and there's still some rumours going around that Spurs, no, not Spurs, yes, yeah, Spurs and Chelsea are keen on Emmy Martinez. Maybe Emmy would prefer to go to London, well, back to London, because obviously he was at Arsenal, and get the bigger wage that would be on offer at those clubs. And then Villa would become a candidate, I think, for Queeving Kelleher. I don't think Spurs will move for Kelleher because I think they would look at his lack of experience as something that you know, they can't really put a whole lot of faith into. 
Fulham have Leno. Leno's a really good goalkeeper. They're not going to make a change. Crystal Palace, he'd be an upgrade there, but they brought in Sam Johnston last summer. He did play quite well at the end of the season when he recovered from all the different injuries he'd had. So they're probably not in the market. Chelsea won't look at him. Wolves, if they lost Jose Sa, potentially, I could see that. And Sa, especially what he did, not this past season, but the previous season, probably gained quite a few admirers around the league and around Europe. <clears throat> West Ham have Ariola, so they don't need a, a goalkeeper. I couldn't see us selling him to Everton. Forest, I mean, that's a real possibility because Kaylor Navas and Dean Henderson were both in on loan. And both of them are going back to the parent clubs. Now, there's been some reporting that they might try and keep one of them. But if they can't, maybe Forrest makes sense. So you've got five or six clubs in the Premier League that could definitely do with Cuevin Kelleher. That would all represent good moves for him. Plus the newly promoted teams. So there's probably a total of maybe nine, eight, nine teams that we could potentially look to sell them to. Now, the ideal would be that you get a bit of a bidding war going between a few of them. And you can drive the price maybe from 15 to 18 and get some add-ons in there. Maybe get a sell-on clause in there. So I think it's right for him and it's a good way for the club to raise money to move him on. I think Joe Gomez should leave. And a lot of people will say, oh, Gomez should leave because he's crap. Like, let's be fair now. He's not crap. He had a bad season. He hasn't recovered from the knee injury. He hasn't recovered to his previous levels. There's no question there. But Joe Gomez is a good defender. What Joe seems to be lacking is confidence in himself. And his focus doesn't seem to be there. Now, whether he's playing with a little bit of apprehension or something I don't know but Joe Gomez is a good defender and if we put Joe Gomez in the market tomorrow there'd be Premier League clubs that would line up to sign him and you'd get 25 million from fairly easy he's a 26 year old England international he's a very good defender when he's on his game he's as good as most in the league go back to the title winning season he was unbelievably good I think it's time for Costas to move on as well. I think when we look at Costas, we have a tendency to overrate him a little bit because everybody likes him so much. And he's clearly technically a very good player. But he is 26, 27 now. He's a first choice player for his national team. He probably won't. He's never going to be first choice at Liverpool. In the back four, he's not going to take Robbo's spot. Whether whether there are spells where he deserves to or not, it's not going to happen under this manager. And in the new shape, there's no reason to have two traditional left-backs in the group. If you want to have a second one, you can have one of the young players. Now, I would sell Robbo personally Largely because he's older and he would bring a bigger fee. Like, Robin might bring you 40 million. 
And he has declined over the last couple of seasons. Notably. He's got an awful lot of miles on his legs. And if we got 40 million for Robbo, I'd be inclined to take it. But that's not going to happen. So you might as well just sell Costas. And if he can bring in 15, 18 million, we don't need to replace him with another left back. The left footed centre back will have already replaced him. So that's money that could then go somewhere else. If you got 30 million between Kelleher and Costas and say 25 for Joe, that's 55 million. You could get a backup goalkeeper. I think Alban Lafont's probably going to be available this summer for about six or seven million. And he's a massive prospect. He's a better goalkeeper than Quivinas. He's a bigger prospect than Quivinas as well. And he's so much more experienced. You could get Verbruggen, who's maybe the biggest young goalkeeping prospect around right now. And has more first team experience than Quivin Kelleher. Probably get him for 10 or 12 million. You could get, let's say, Gertruda or Tyler Adams as a backup to Trent, that kind of right back central midfield hybrid. Tyler Adams would also give you another option for defensive midfield if you wanted to play. A defensive midfielder, you could play Tyler Adams next to Trent if you wanted someone more dynamic than Fabinho. And he might be available for 25 million. And then that leaves about 20, and that'll go a long way towards funding the centre back to replace Joe Gomez. Someone like Bella Kotchup might be available for 25. And you can find 5 million in the squad by selling Nat Phillips, <clears throat> by selling Reese Williams, by selling. Leighton Clarkson, like there's maybe 10 million from those three. You could sell Carvalho and that would fund the wide forward that we need, the winger, the backup winger that we could use. You know, so if we can get Alexis, Kone, Turam, and I'm just going to say Van de Ven because He's the one. Alexa is disagreeing with me on this, if anyone can hear that. Alexa, stop. If we could get Mickey Van Der Veen, then I, I can't have lost my train of thought because of that thing. Um, if we could get Alexis McAllister. David, there's nothing scheduled for the next day. That's absolutely fine. There's nothing scheduled in my calendar for the next 30 days. Uh, so if we could get McAllister, if we could get Kone, if we could get Turam, and if we could get Van de Ven, and I'm just naming him because he's the one that's been linked recently. If we could get all of them from whatever our budget is, and there's been some suggestion it's around 150, 160 million, and then use sales to fund the rest of what could be done. I mean, if we could do most of it in one summer and then roll into 2024-25 with most of the squad settled, acclimatized, used to playing the way we want them to play, then we'd be in great shape. We really would be in great shape for that season. We can use this coming season, 23-24, as 
a season of transition, an actual season of transition, where maybe we finished third and maybe we win the Europa League. Wouldn't that be a great season of transition? Be a bit better than what was tagged as a season of transition this year, wouldn't it? <laughs> be significantly better. Um, the main Liverpool websites, there's a piece on This Is Anfield about Connor Bradley. There is an article strangely entitled How Liverpool's New 3-5-2 System Works and What It Means for Transfers. In the piece that refers to a 3-2-5 formation, which isn't what we're playing, and it shows like one still to back up the argument, it's a well-written piece. It's just not based on what's actually taking place. It's a three-box three. It's very clearly a three-box three. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Adrian confirms he will sign a new Liverpool contract. Look, you don't need to register him. So you can still keep um, a non-homegrown spot open. You've got one open from last season anyway. Arthur is leaving. Naby's gone. Bobby's gone. So there's four open. Don't register Adrian. There's five. There's five non-homegrown spots that you can fill. Um, there's a piece about Kone and Turam. There's a piece about the events in Paris last year. Fabinho turned down another team in England to play for Jurgen Klopp. He doesn't name the team, but it was Manchester United. Boston to Bayran to the Etihad. Liverpool players' holidays begin. So if you want to stalk the players and find out where they've been on the, where they're going on the holidays or where they are on the holidays, uh, you can you can check that out. Ireland boss expects Cueving Keller to leave Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp had no idea how to replace Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Uh, a lot of good stuff on this is Anfield as per. Uh, on to Liverpool.com then. Lionel Messi and Erling Haaland have proved why Darwin Nunes is ready to explode for Liverpool. So, yeah, you could check that out. There is a piece on Alexis. Liverpool could finally get Ginny Wijnaldum replacements. Picture Catherine Turam, so I assume he is the one mentioned there. Um, US men's national team star, FA Cup final goal scorer, seven relegated players... Liverpool should consider. Let's have a look with these. The, the FA Cup final scorer is Yuri Tielemans. He's too slow. That's the simple fact of the matter. He's too slow. Um, James Madison, really good player. Really good player. I have a feeling he's going to go to Newcastle. That just seems to be what's next for him because they've been linked for a while. He tried to push for that move in the past. Uh, Bella Kotchup, I'd definitely take him. Romeo Lavia, I, I would take Romeo Lavia without a shadow of a doubt. I think he's a, a sensational talent. Uh, James Ward-Prowse. James Ward-Prowse is shit. So, no, we shouldn't look to sign James Ward-Prowse. He's great at free kicks. He's useless at everything else. With nine goals in total last season, I'd say two of them were from open play. And four assists, I bet none of them were from open play. He is certainly he is certainly a man who has the rare quality 
of being able to make an impact in the final third. On top of this, his 74 key passes. How many from open play? There's the question. How many from open play? Also demonstrate his keen eye for defence splitting pass. But no, they don't. Because key passes include set pieces. So it doesn't prove that at all. Look at his numbers. He is mediocre at best across the board outside the set pieces. You just pull up his FB ref page and you can look at it. It's absolutely bang average. There's nothing that would get you excited about James Ward-Prowse outside of his set pieces. He's also 28. So what function is he going to have? Going to be a sub for 40 million? It's a great idea. There's no development to be had at Ward-Prowse. If you look at his passing numbers, overall he only completes 78.9% of his passes. 90.5% of his short passes to the 73rd percentile. 84.9% of his medium passes to 36th percentile. 44.7% of his long passes to 5th percentile. That's dreadful. Dreadful. He does well on crosses. That's something else he's good at. Live ball pass attempts, oh, less than 50 game, the 58 percentile, only plays 0.05 through balls per game. So, no, he doesn't have an eye for defense splitting pass at all. Shot creating actions from live passing. Just shot creating, not, not real chance creating, just shot creating. From live ball, 1.66. From dead ball, 1.58. The 1.66 puts him in the 43rd percentile. Jordan Henderson's higher than that. The live ball is elite, 98th percentile. Goal-creating actions. Live ball, 0.08 per game. That's in the 22nd percentile, which is dreadful. But dead ball... It's still 0.08, but that's in the 91st percentile because he is an elite level set piece taker. There's no question. He can't dribble, can't dribble at all. Doesn't really carry the ball a whole lot. Ranks very poorly in progressive uh, carries. Ranks really poorly in things like miscontrols and being dispossessed. Like, there's nothing there to impress in terms of live ball numbers. Everything with Ward-Prowse is dead ball related. Uh, Wilfred Nanto, he's he's got huge potential, would definitely be in favour of a move for him. Although I think Leeds will fight tooth and nail to keep hold of him. Because... One of the reasons they spent quite a lot of money on young players was that so that so that if they went down, they'd have a lot of these young players to go with them. Uh, on AnfieldIndex.com, Tony Evans has a new co- uh, column up. And uh, I know he takes a shot at what he calls the transfer ultras. Because you see, back in Tony's day, when Tony was a young man, we had an academy that produced players like, you know, Ray Clemens and, you know, Kenny Dalglish and Kevin Keegan and Alan Hansen and Graeme Souness and Ian Rush 
and all of these players, they came to our academy and we never ever had to buy anybody. You know, there's that famous story of Bill Shankly just walking into the academy and seeing Ron Yates just stood there and going, oh yeah, I'll have him. Then bringing him to Anfield and telling journalists to go in and walk around him. Went into the academy, of course, and found Ian St. John. That's how we got those players. They were all from the academy. We never bought players until Twitter was invented. That's when transfers started. Except we stopped buying players when Jurgen took over. And the academy just had this amazing run. Alison Becker came out of the academy. We didn't know he was even there. He was working as a janitor in the academy. He was 25 years of age. He'd never kicked a ball really before. But there he was. Virgil van Dijk was there. 26 years of age, still in our academy. Andy Robertson had randomly walked in one day. He'd gotten lost on his way home from school in Glasgow. Still in school at, at 21. Andy was picking things up slow. Had walked into the academy, been there three years. And we just found him. Fabinho. Ginny Wijnaldum. Mo Salah. Did you know Mo Salah came from our academy? I bet you didn't, but he did. See, this is the thing. So Tony's just pointing out that, you know, transfers are bad. No one's ever improved their team with transfers. Uh, Chelsea said... Chelsea bid sets high-stakes transfer rates with Liverpool and PSG. This is about Manuel Ugarte and a little bit about Kefren Turam. Um... It's a good piece. You should give that one a read. There's a piece about the departure of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain that was put together by Harper. And ex-Bayern director backs LFC's strong pursuit of Bundesliga ace. Hassan Salahamazic. Oh, no. Michael Resch, the ex-technical director who was also sacked. Um... I don't believe we're looking at Graven Birch anymore. I don't think we've actually looked at him since last summer. I think we might have maybe kicked the tires in January when we thought Curtis might look to leave. I don't think we're looking at him anymore. I think we met with his agent and people thought, oh, we're back in for Graven Birch. But his agent is also Kefren Turum's agent. So just, you know, consider that. That'll do me for today, folks. I am not here Monday or Tuesday, so I'll be back next Wednesday. Podcast-wise, there hasn't been anything new put up, but we are recording Scouted today. But there is the new Under Pressure, if you haven't heard it. There's also Media Matters with David Lynch. So check both of those out if you haven't already. We'll have the new Scouted out today. And I will see you Wednesday. Enjoy your weekend. We have a bank holiday weekend, so I'm going to go enjoy it. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index 
and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.